Hi friends and welcome to the God is in the Minute podcast where Anna and Amy will take you through the Bible in one year. We will also have pop-up episodes to share what God is doing in our lives as well as those around us. Grab a buddy, grab your Bible, and grab a heart for the Lord to change you. We are so grateful to have you on this journey with us. Find us on social media at God is in the Minute. Thank you for joining us. Hey, y'all, it's week six, so you've made it. You've made this a new rhythm. Yes, you've made it a rhythm. It's just a part of your life now, which has been our goal, and we're so excited. I know. Today, we have so much today. Um, So the Old Testament is just so full of goodness. It's crazy. So um, today, I have um, Exodus 37 to Leviticus 13. Um, And then Anna will be doing the New Testament. So we're going to jump right in. So Anna, go ahead and lead us in prayer so we can get going. Okay. Lord, we thank you for being with us right now. We worship you, Jesus. There's no one like you. There's none beside you. Lord, I pray that you would breathe your spirit on this word today and that it would become alive. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say fear, you have to go. Jezebel, you have to go with your witchcraft, your anxiety, your confusion, your rebellion. We say, Holy Spirit, come rule and reign in this place. Father, I thank you that no one came to hear us. They all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful prayer. I always love that because that is my time to really just get in the moment of you know what? This isn't about us. This is all the Lord's words and we are just the vessel to communicate them. And I really use that prayer. That prayer is so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that, Anna. And you guys, Anna wrote that prayer as well for you all in mind. I adopted it. Part I adopted most of it from Mercy Culture Church. And again, we just love that church and their mm-hmm. prayers and their sermons have, have really influenced both of our walks so much. So much. That's so true. So I start in 37 today in Exodus 37, but I wanted to kind of go back just a little bit, like a half a step back into 36 about the tabernacle and the building of the tabernacle. I I really, when I started to dig a little bit deeper, it's really amazing. So there were 10 pieces to that um, total. So the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the 10 commandments were located, and it was definitely going to be considered the most holy place of the tabernacle. And then the atonement cover, some um, translations will call this the mercy seat. Um, And that would be the lid of it, the top of it. And that signifies the presence. But the reason that I, I like this whole concept of this is that was what kind of covered the tabernacle and covered the whole structure structure when the blood was dripped on it and the signification of sacrifice which then as now new testament we know of jesus but that's really cool to me this the third part of it was the curtain and that really did separate holy from most holy from holy and i like it here that it's not doesn't say unholy it says holy and most holy so that's always kind of encouraging for us, right? That we're not unholy if we're maybe walking in a little bit of sin that we can repent from. Then the table is where it housed the bread and the bread signified the 12 loaves. Those were the 12 tribes of Israel and that definitely is spiritual nourishment for us. The lamps were another piece of it and that lights the holy place. The incense, the incense altar was the place of acceptable prayer to the Lord. 
anointing oil, which a lot of people probably have heard about anointing oil before. Anna and I really, really like the concept of anointing, um, especially when we feel like we have prayed through and been delivered from something very significant. We definitely go through and wherever we would feel that presence of the spiritual warfare that we were fighting that we felt delivered from, we would, we go back and we do anoint our areas with oil. We are very, we, we really, really, we're really strong about anointing oil. Absolutely. It Not is, to cut you off, but no, I have please. a really quick, <laughs> please. um, Speaking of anointing, so I, we both go through, we anoint our houses. I highly recommend going through and anointing your house and praying and, you know, no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place, inviting the Holy Spirit in. And I did that not too long ago. And when I did it, I was praying through my home and I was anointing. And as, as I anoint my door frames and my windows um, seals with oil, which that's just what I choose to do. I anoint every door frame in my house and I have a small house, so that's easy. And I do a little cross with the oil as I do it. And I didn't think much of doing that. I've never noticed it staying on the doorframe before. I do it very lightly. Well, a couple of weeks after I did it, I walked into my room to put my phone on the charger. And it was in the middle of the day. And the sun was shining in just on my window. And I could see that cross I had made with oil on my window. And in that moment, I just felt the Holy Spirit come over me. And I just felt him revealing his protection to me in such a strong way and I can tell you if you're having trouble sleeping at night whatever it is kick those spirits out of your house get them out anoint your home and bring the Holy Spirit back into it it's helped me so much and I know Amy can say the same and even I'm sorry I have a little bit of frog in my throat today um even in the in the transmission of like just an iPhone to iPhone picture, when Anna sent me that picture, I could see the cross with the oil within the picture. I mean, I, I immediately knew what it was, and it was it was beautiful. And so then we prayed together over that. And but really, the anointing oil, and I want you guys to understand, like we have real life situations that we're sharing with you, but that's really what sets you and your heart apart from the world. And so it's almost like the anointing oil separates the world and God. And really, we, we really, really believe in it. Like we, like I said, of all, you know, sometimes, you know, in transmission of pictures via text message, it's hard to pick up on detail. Um, But I picked up on it immediately. And I said, there's a cross. And she said, yeah, that's the anointing oil that I, because from previous episodes, you know, that she was struggling with fear. And then after we were delivered, her and I both delivered the same week from a spiritual warfare that we had been battling for years. Um, she went through and anointed and I could see it. So just remember the, the anointing oil is very, very important. And that was part of this tabernacle in Exodus. The next por- portion I want to talk about is the burnt offering, which this signifies um, sacrifice, which actually is like cleansing restoration. And then finally, the basin, which we become clean. So I wanted to kind of just take a half a step back and talk about that because 37 starts with um, the building of the Ark. And remember, the Ark of the Covenant is where the Ten Commandments were held. And that is really, Anna spoke about it in last week's episode. That is really, really important. Those, as a new believer many years ago, I really focused on them a lot because I thought, okay, if I'm doing 
if, if, and then, so if I'm doing this, then God promises this. And it's a really good base for a lot of people, especially if this is the first time you're going through the Bible for you to just kind of use that as your, if then base. So if I do this, then this, if I do this, then this, there's always a promise. And unfortunately there are some destructive promises that he says for destruction that will come upon you. But unfortunately we learn a lot of times by the hard knocks. And so sometimes we have to little stumble a little bit before he strikes us blind for us to see. But the ark was the first piece of it. Um, and then verse six there, that taught in my um, translation, I'm doing my study in from for this recordings. It has, it's called the mercy seat, but then it also is also called the atonement cover. So you'll see a couple different um, translations. We'll call that differently. But either way, it's the same signification of the sprinkle of blood to cover the descends. And the blood covered the whole ark. Um, and so the rest of it just goes through each of the pieces. But I wanted to go ahead and point out the 10 pieces up front and kind of let you guys understand that the detail here is so important. And God had planned all of this already. And he knew. But I want you to remember something. Moses was who was committed to following through with this. Moses trusted and was so faithful to the Lord in all this. He was doing just as the Lord commanded. And I want everybody, when they go through and read for this week, every time your, your verse or your um, translation says, just as the Lord commanded Moses, I want you guys to underline it. And I want you to insert your name. And as many times as you read, just as the Lord commanded Moses, I want you to say, just as the Lord commanded blank, your own name. And I want you to say that over and over. And I'm telling you, it's a heart posture that's going to change in you because we're reading that these, this, this beautiful, detailed down to the nail and down to how many pounds of gold, silver, it's all so detailed, but I'm telling you, the Lord had handpicked it. Moses was faithful, his attitude of humility, and he did just as the Lord commanded. And so he, remember, if we rewind in Exodus, he, he doubted that he was the person for this job. And the Lord kept telling him, go, Moses, I know this is you. And in just a minute, we're going to go through the, the we're going to rewind all of Moses. And I really want you to dig deep here, because if it wasn't for the original person being so faithful to God only, not Pharaoh, but God. Moses would never have made it this far. And what would have happened? Where would the story have been different? I, I just, we just need to remember this. So every time you see, just as the Lord commanded Moses, I want you to underline that. And I want you to insert yourself there. And I, and just, if you keep telling yourself, just as the Lord commands me, you will understand that he has it all figured out and planned out for you already. The last little piece before we go, we're going to rewind the entire story of Moses because I did it in my own words and I'm going to read it to you all word for word. But before that, I want you guys to understand something right at the end of 39, verse 32 to 43. Um, different translations are going to title this differently, but mine is titled Moses's inspection of the tabernacle. 32 says, so all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was now finished and the Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. And they, then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, jumping down to 43. Moses expect, inspected all the work they had accomplished and they had done just as the Lord commanded. Then Moses blessed them. I want to point out something here. 
Matthew 1030 says that the Lord knows every single hair on your head. Moses knew that the people that God had chosen to be with him, he knew they were going to carry out this work just as he told them as a secondhand person for what God told him to do. He had trust in these people. He trusted his Lord. But Matthew 30 says, God knew the single hair on these people's heads or on your head. As Moses knows these people, we're going to carry out the work. And I want you guys to just take a hard examination today and just dig deep on your self-reflection of saying, do I trust myself enough that God knows the actual hairs on my head? Do I trust my faith enough? Am I humble enough for, to really believe that he knows exactly the number of hairs on my head? That really hit me hard. I'm just like, we all need to examine that because think about the detail here. And Moses trusted these people to do this work for him because he couldn't do it alone. Just like we can't do our work alone. It's amazing. So in my own words, I have, what I have done for you all is summed up the end of Exodus in my own words of how I feel about Moses and where basically kind of start of Exodus to the end. So I'm going to read this word for word, and then I'm going to quote verse 35 and give you those notes, and then we're going to jump right into Leviticus. Moses, from Exodus 1, he was saved because the midwives trusted God more than they did Pharaoh, and they took a risk. He was rescued from the bank of the Nile by an unnamed woman. I want to point out unnamed woman. What kind of humility and what kind of fame do we what kind of humility should we be presenting versus wanting the fame? So this person was unnamed. This woman was unnamed, but she pulled Moses from the Nile River. And she never was named by God in the Bible. But it doesn't matter because she was actually a hero that was unnamed. So I, want, I just want to take that into consideration for a moment. Then he was in a burning bush. He was in the burning bush in order to hear God speak. He couldn't know the bush was burning until he saw the heat, felt the heat on him for him to turn then to God. He tells them, then the Lord tells him, go tell the Israelites and tell them every single thing about me. Moses doesn't feel prepared for this, but God says, go save the Israelites from Egypt's slavery. So he goes and he does, God does so much in Moses's life going forward. But I want you to reflect back a second. What if the midwives would not have trusted and believed in the Lord just as they did? We wouldn't be here in these chapters. We wouldn't be here in this detail. Verse 35 says, Moses was unable to enter the tent of meaning because a cloud rested on it and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. Moses never entered but it didn't matter because he lived the life of a job well done. And that's all Moses needed. He, he did so much. He trusted, he didn't feel equipped, but he did it. He did it in the midst of not feeling like he was equipped and look what we get from it. It's just amazing. And I think everybody wants to just say amen over that because how faithful can we live in our life to feel and to feel like job well done, good and so faithful good. servant. So on to Leviticus. 
So the Levites, by definition, are descendants of Levi, which was John, or not John, sorry, Jacob and Leah's third son. So the Levites can be kind of defined as rights to be a priest, but then they were better, better defined as like just a dedicated to serve God. So some scholars, believe, you know, say that they actually had rights to be a priest, but then others are just dedicated to serve God, almost as just like a voice, almost as, you know, we can choose to do for other people. But that's what the Levites are. And this book, um, Leviticus, is written to the Levites. And Leviticus actually means pertaining to the Levites. Um, verse Chapter 19, verse 22 is kind of, kind of the, kind of the, backbone of the whole book, I would say. Um, it states, be holy because I, Lord, your God, am holy. And that's really what Leviticus is all about. Um, back in Genesis, it shows the corrupt behavior and then the condemnation. Exodus, as we just finished, illustrates the redemption, salvation, true trust, and obedience. But then here in Leviticus, we're taught to be holy and like the Lord. And I want to point out that holy or holiness is said 80 times or more, depending upon your translation, um, within this whole book. But first, before that, Leviticus starts with how to cleanse yourself from sin. And I think that's a beautiful way to start into a new book is to remember that we go into every day clean. We go into every day fresh. We go into every day peaceful. His mercies are new every morning. And so don't take what bothers you yesterday into today or into tomorrow because we're starting fresh. Because remember in Leviticus, we want to be holy, holiness of the Lord. But first... We have to rid ourselves. We have to cleanse ourselves of the sin. Um, the is the at the start of Leviticus, the Israelites are um, at the base of Mount Sinai, and the tabernacle is complete, as we just finished in Exodus. They stay a while here, and as the Lord shows him his ways, it takes them a little while. Everybody, including ourselves, can be very, very hard-headed and mean more than one reminder. Um, and then they are warned here to just be holy. So Leviticus starts off, um, let's see, the first four chapters are offerings. So the first is the burnt offering, and that is voluntary. And that is just your payment of overall sin. And like I said, Leviticus, learning, the, t- teaching the Levites to be holy, it starts with the cleansing of the burnt offering and payment of your sins in general. The second chapter is the grain offering. Again, this is voluntary. And this is to show honor and respect to God. So actually you would choose to do this out of respect, almost like a, you know what? I just want to go above and beyond what the Lord is expecting of me today. And I just want to do one extra step. So that's the grain offering. The fellowship offering, again, is voluntary. And that's just more of an expression of your gratitude toward the Lord. Now, the last two, chapter four and then chapter six, the... Um, well, at the end of chapter five, the guilt offering and the sin offering, those are required. Those are not, they were not voluntary at this time and they were required. And the sin offering is to make a payment for unintentional sin. And I like these words, neglect or just pure thoughtlessness of someone else. And, you know, we can stop there and kind of take an examination of that. So the sin offering was here and it's in front of us right now. And that is the payment of neglect or unthoughtfulness to others. 
And if we just examine maybe yesterday, if you're listening to this early in the day, if you're listening to this late in the day. So let's just go either the day if it's late in the day or the, the day before if it's early in the day. And think about, were you? did you neglect to maybe follow through or do something above and beyond for someone or even yourself yesterday or today? And were you thoughtlessness? Did you not put somebody else before you, but do as you pleased instead? That's just not what we want here, you know? And I know this is Old Testament, but if we build our life on the Old Testament, the New Testament is a breeze. It's just like, yay, I have Jesus and this is so good. I believe all of this because you've cleansed yourself of the Old Testament. Um, the end of ver- the end of chapter five says, um, talks about the guilt offering and that again is required. Um, and this is to make payment for sins against God alone. Um, the here more or less someone is actually like injured or hurt. And so then you have to take your offering and then you're cleansed, cleansed. It goes into a whole bunch more detail guys, but here's the point I want you guys to understand is that in order to be holy, Leviticus shows us we have to be cleansed first and we have to offer these sacrifices and our day, our day to day is a sacrifice. I mean, just at time of this recording, the amount of sacrifice that Anna had to do today just to be on here right now, that sacrifice. And that is what the Lord wants. And it might be, we might say this is worldly and that's minor, but it's not because she sacrificed things that needed to be done in her life to be able to be a voice for you, for you to understand understand that she's here to serve the Lord. And it's not an easy task, but there is sacrifice in almost everything we do. If you take a different route, just because, um, you know, someone wanted to see a a specific tree, I'm, I'm throwing that out there because I remember my husband's grandfather used to like to ride by one particular tree on his drive home. And I would sacrifice perhaps 30 minutes of my time to drive him, but it made a difference. It makes a difference in your day. It makes a difference in your thoughtfulness of other people and not your neglect of people. It just makes a difference. Um, Not to throw you under the bus, Anna, but you did make a big sacrifice to be here today. So I want (laughs) you to understand how much that means to the Lord in the big sense that you are serving in the right places when you are able to stop and him in front of what you had to do in a sacrifice where it might make your day longer. But again, I just want to remind everybody that a daily sacrifice is, is what we all have to do. And one thing I think too, is, you know, with us, we have to, a lot of people when they're just getting, maybe they're newer to making the Bible part of their routine. And if you're still reading, you know, that's great. If not jump back on, but it's part of it is you might have to sacrifice time in your morning or your evening, or you might sacrifice your lunch break to read or whatever it is, but getting with God, it's going to require sacrifice. And just keep in mind when you're doing that, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for you. It's the least we can do to sacrifice a portion of our day back to him. I mean, and if you read the details of these chapters that I'm just giving you the summary of, I mean, these things are So the grain offering, we had to pour olive oil, frankincense on them. I can tell you, frankincense, essential oil, is not cheap. And pure olive oil at this time was a commodity that you just didn't have readily available to dump out. So these sacrifices that are listed in in these chapters, 
it was it was pretty significant. Like it wasn't the alabaster oil was not easy to come by. The olive oil, the frankincense, these things were costly in 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 a in a monetary situation. But their reward was so much greater than than maybe the little bit of sacrifice we had to do. And we're just we just want to encourage you that every day is a choose we choose to be a little sacrificial of you know what the Lord has big for us. Um, so in seven, I want to talk about the fellowship sacrifice. So there were three parts to that. Um, first was Thanksgiving, second was vow, and the third was free will. Now, I want to start this with how this made me feel. This made me feel, and this fellowship sacrifice we're talking about, it made me feel that we need to keep a right view of sin in our hearts. So how do we view sin? We want to view sin from the lens of God. We want to view sin not from self, but of the lens of God. And we want to be purified by his word. But when we have the right view of sin from the lens of the Lord, thanksgiving, showing gratitude, the vow offering, which is a promise of if then, and then the free will offering is really just because. We do the first two of these fellowship sacrifices because we see it from the Lord's perspective. We see it as gratitude. We see it as if then. If I do this, then this happens. But then comes the free will piece of this, where when we really are in the Lord, and I heard something really awesome today. When we have a relationship with someone, if we are just in a relationship and just kind of know them, but don't really pursue the relationship. That's just a fleeing relationship. But when we have a relationship with someone and we actually pursue it, so we actually reach out and and are intentional to speak with them, intentional to dialogue, intentional to read their text messages and respond to them. Put insert God here. When I'm intentional about my relationship with him, thanksgiving and gratitude and promises of if then, they're natural. Then comes the free will offering of, you know what, Lord, you can have all the time that you want with me because I know the reward is greater in heaven. I know the reward is greater in my day to day, even you guys. I mean, y'all, if it wasn't for the Lord, some days I feel like I couldn't go five more minutes, but something picks me up and makes me just keep going forward. And so I just want to just make sure that we understand that the Lord wants a relationship for us to see the right view of sin from the lens of him. And that's where this fellowship sacrifice comes in. Um, on down. So to kind of sum up verses or chapters one through seven, it's all about, as you hear, as you know, now sacrifices, but then chapter eight starts a cleansing and the cleansing is really about being set apart. It's really preparing us here, Aaron and his sons, to be prepared for service, but I want you to kind of think about it. When we go to the Lord with our sin, he will cleanse us and wash away the sin. So then we are there for service. Um, Aaron was washed, robed, and anointed. There it is again. Um, then in verse nine, chapter 9, um, in the end of 4, it says, For today the Lord is going to pe- appear to you. I want you guys to understand that I don't know how else to say it, but for what we've read already in this year, 
The Lord is so detailed and he is in every single detail. And so he's always on point. So for today, the Lord is going to appear to you. Um, just as the Lord command, or just as the Lord commanded Moses as mentioned here again in nine, um, verse 21, nobody really could see what was happening here, but the commitment and the focus was there and they just continued to obey just as the Lord had commanded Moses to tell the people, because again, he was second person. Um, the end of chapter nine, um, they're just praising. I love the verse nine twenty two says Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. He came down after sacrificing the sin offering, the burnt offering and the fellowship offering Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. Fire came from the Lord to consume the burnt offering and the fat portions of the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face down. How beautiful is the, are those words? Can we just recite those to ourselves? When he came with the offering, the Lord said, fire to them, burn them, they're gone. And then we all praise. It's kind of like that happily ever after, which I love a little bit. Um, chapters 11 through 17, I'm only going to 13 today, but just know um, the 11th all the way to 17 is what we, how we learn and what we learn when we work, work in the Lord's guidance. Um, it can be, it can be very, very black and white, clean versus unclean, swarming versus purification of childbirth. Okay, it's, it's pretty detailed and it can be a little disheartening, but I want you to understand that the basic gist of it is that we are learning slowly to work in the Lord's guidance or to walk in the Lord's guidance. So I want to finish um, 13. I don't know about you. Um, but when I talk about things on my skin, I start to want to itch myself and dig myself because I just feel things crawling on me. So I'm going to give you a warning. Um, chapter 13 of Leviticus can maybe make your skin feel like there's stuff crawling on you and that's okay. <laughs> it's all part of the imagery and that God is in the details. Um, but I had read a really in the commentary of, um, I guess it's Carlson is how you say the last name. This was interesting because in the start of 13, the skin diseases were actually going to be visible on the outside of the skin. And the Lord was, you know, putting on the body and it was symbolism to me. And I really like this is when we have something rise up on our skin, it's noticeable, right? Anything, a blemish of any sort. But it was very symbolic here, and I grabbed upon this. When we allow sin to take over our flesh, we are raising our flesh up, not the Lord. And so when we equate it back to that blemish that gets popped up onto the skin, and then we can relate it back to when we decide we are going to pop ourselves out and make ourselves known, then think about it as a disease because that's ugly because blemishes on our skin are ugly. And I'm going to end there and just reminding you that if we didn't have Moses, a lot of this story would not have been the same. That is so, so good. I, um, you mentioned when you first started Leviticus, um, I think it was chapter 20, verse 26. <clears throat> you are holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. And you talked about 
holiness a little bit. And the only thing I have to add in that is one of my favorite verses in Leviticus is chapter 10, verse three. And it says, this is what the Lord has spoken. I will demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me and I will reveal my glory before all the people. And I have some notes written in my Bible for that verse. And it says this, those who remain near to the Lord constantly in his presence are the ones who will receive his holy blessings. Make sure you're in the front of the line and how we make sure we're in the front of that line is by daily encountering, by getting with God every day. This is how we receive his holiness. This is how we become more holy, more like him. And I just think that that's, that's a really good focus for us um, through all of Leviticus is just God's holiness and how he calls us to be closer to him and make sure we're at the front of that line. Remain in your daily encounters and you're not going to be perfect. We can't be perfect, but we can try our best to live a holy life, a life that honors the Lord. Okay. Did you just read, did you read, was that 10, three that you just read? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to be sure. Okay, so for Matthew today, it's a little bit, it's broken up a little bit um, different. So we're starting off about halfway through chapter 23. We're reading chapter 23, starting in verse 23, all the way through Matthew chapter 26, ending in verse 54. So we're kind of halfway through 23, and we'll end halfway through 26. So the first thing that I want to touch on is 23 verses 25 through 26. And it says this, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. So there's several other verses around these that give similar analogies, but I'm going to focus on this one. Jesus was exposing the hypocritical attitudes of the religious leaders. They knew the scriptures, but they did not live by them. They didn't care about being devout, just looking devout to receive praise from people. So this makes me stop and think, okay, are we people pleasers or God pleasers? This is something Amy and I talk about all the time. We need to really dig deep here and ask yourself, am I doing this for God Or am I doing it for people's approval? So try to redirect your focus. And remember, our word this year we're stewarding as a group is focus. And our verse is Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So I want you to pause for a moment, even if you need to pause this podcast for a minute, and dig deep. And I want you to pray and say, Lord, help me focus. Show me areas in my life that I'm striving to please people and not you. And then when God reveals those things to you, redirect your focus and do better and praise God that we serve a God that's so good. He reveals things to us in our hearts, just going personable and vulnerable here. Recently, God has revealed some things in my heart that I need to work on. And I didn't realize I did until recently. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God that loves us so much. He will reveal things to us that we need to work on and he will give us grace through those times. And it's just amazing to me that God wants us to grow and he's here to help us grow. It's such a, it's such a blessing. Okay. So moving on to chapter 24, I'm going to read verses four through eight. 
Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are just the beginning of birth pains. Friends, we should be less concerned with knowing the date of Jesus's return and more concerned with being prepared, living God's way, which is what I just talked about. We need to be more concerned about the inside of our cup. What's inside of our heart? Are we living a holy life that honors the Lord? Or are we saying with our words, but we're not living that way? That's a, that's a, harsh line to cross right there. A lot of people say all of the things with their words. They know the scriptures and they say all of the things about living a godly life, but then they don't. And that's okay. We we're it's not okay, but if you're there, it's okay. Go ahead and start making changes in your life. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So whenever we look for signs or predictions and we're just kind of obsessed about when God is coming back, we become very susceptible to being deceived. The only sure way to keep from being deceived is to focus on Jesus and his words. He tells us over and over again that no man can predict the hour of his return, but we do know that he's coming and it could be any time. So instead of focusing on the date that Jesus is coming back, redirect your focus to if he comes back right now, am I ready? That hits hard for a lot of us because it says, oh, I think if I knew Jesus was coming back next week, I'd change a lot of things I'm doing, or I'd try to do better, or I think I'd make myself spend a little extra time in the word. So kind of redirect your focus to that. Jesus could come back at any time. Am I ready? Am I living a life that honors him? If Jesus showed up at my door right now, would I have some things I needed to push in the closet? So Really work on that. A, yeah, and I think this is a good place maybe to jot those things down. You know, in 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 this early week of week six of the of the year. So if you jot those things down that you feel like that the Lord is telling you perhaps that you need to be cleansing from your world and your heart and your mind, maybe jot them down in your prayer journal. And That's then maybe by week twelve, we can look back and maybe two of those things may be gone. If you list six, maybe two are gone. Maybe one's gone. Maybe a half of one's gone. But at least you'll see your progress and then you'll know that the Lord is working in your mind and your thoughts and your heart. That's a good just word. To, yeah, just you know, to make sure to just make sure that you know you're achieving. You Absolutely. Know, that, so yeah. That's a good word. So I, I think, too, with, with these verses I just read, and it says that these you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Friends, that's happening right now in our world. We are at the beginning of birth pains. It's happening. Things are happening. Big, prophetic things are taking place. But instead of being worried about the exact date, be worried about your heart. Be worried about, am I living a life that honors God right now? Remember those verses that say he will spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. He would rather you live a life of sin and deny him than do it in the name of Jesus. He hates that. 
So we need to be very, very careful and search our hearts about hypocritical things. We need to look to Jesus, not to people and people's predictions of his return. And we most like most importantly, we need to look to Jesus. And then we also need to pray for discernment because there are teachers and preachers out there that we might should be staying away from their teachings and preachings. They might be false prophets. Um, and we might not realize it. And just other friends and people in general, we need to pray for discernment. Lord, is this helping me? Is it pulling me closer to you or pulling me away? Okay, I'm going to read verse 9 and then verse 13. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Okay, verse 13 but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, so what are these verses saying? They're saying that in the end times, we're going to be persecuted, if not killed, for the name of Jesus, and we're certainly going to be hated. So as believers, we have to know this, and we have to do what verse 13 says. We have to endure until the end. We have to do this for the name of Jesus. And a lot of people think, this is kind of a scary place to be. They're like, I don't know how I would handle it. If push comes to shove, just be bold and be on fire for God. Remain in him. Remember, we have to endure through this. It's okay to be hated by the world because the scriptures say, if you're a friend of the world, you're hated by God. And if you're a friend of God, you're loved by him. We shouldn't be friends of the world. We need to be staying away from that and be friends of Jesus. So if other people mock you and persecute you and hate you because you're a believer in God, let them. Just let them. And you remain with God and you let God fight for you and handle you. Just let them. Okay, I'm going to read verse 24 now. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Okay, so with false teaching and loose morals comes a particularly destructive disease, the loss of true love for God and others. Sin cools your love for God by turning your focus onto yourself. You cannot truly love if you think only of yourself. Friends, Satan is very deceptive. He is a master deceiver. He doesn't just come to you and say, worship me, become a Satanist, worship me. Sometimes if he can get you to worship anything but God, he is satisfied. So if he can get you to worship yourself, Satan is satisfied. So we have to be very very careful that we are worshiping God alone because a lot of people in today's world become very self-absorbed and conceited and obsessed with themselves and insecure. We see this everywhere we go. People are just obsessed with themselves. And if Satan can get you to worship yourself, he's got you where he wants you. He doesn't always, he doesn't have to have everyone specifically worshiping him, but he's so deceptive. What did he say to Eve in the garden? Did God really say Satan is a master deceiver? So really watch for that. And remember, if you're worshiping yourself, you've, you've got to tear that down. John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. Ask God to help you turn from this and turn to him. Only a solid foundation in God's word can equip us to discern the errors and distractions in false teaching. We must hold tight to this book. Friends, you've heard me say it before, run it under the light. You might have a pastor you've listened to for years, and if they say something and it just 
it doesn't sit right. You feel it in your heart or in your gut, you know, in your knower, run it under the light. And if it doesn't align with the word of God, then you know that that teaching is false and people get it wrong. People make mistakes, but what you have to do is run everything under the light of God. And if it's not in accordance with his word, then it's not his will. And it's not the truth because God's word is true. And every man's a liar. Everything that comes from the word of God is truth. Okay. Chapter 25, I'm going to jump to verse 13, and I'm going to read that. Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. I just talked about this verse, friends. Right here, Jesus is telling us, we don't know the day or the hour he's coming back, but we need to be alert, and we need to be ready. God's coming judgment is as certain as Jesus' return to earth. Jesus told this parable to clarify farther how his followers should be ready for his return and how to live until then. Friends, we again, right back to what I was talking about. We need to really do a heart check and say, hmm, are we living a life that God will be proud of? Are we living hypocritical or are we living genuinely for the Lord? Okay, so this, in chapter 25, it talks about the parable of the ten virgins. And this teaches that every person is responsible for his or her own spiritual condition. So, friends, listen, your friend or your grandma or your sibling, their faith does not get you into heaven. You have to have your own personal intimate relationship with the Lord. You can't bank on, oh, well, I have a really, really spiritual grandma, and I know that because of her faith and her prayers, that's going to carry me. No, you have to have your own relationship with the Lord. Okay, and then we jump to the parable of the talents. The story of the three servants shows the necessity of being good stewards of resources that God has entrusted to us. Amy and I talk about stewardship all the time, and I've recommended this sermon before. I'm going to recommend it again. Mercy Culture Church has a sermon on their YouTube called The Value of Stewardship. I highly, highly recommend that you go listen to that as soon as you possibly can. I've listened to it several times. I know Amy has as well. It really breaks down stewardship, what it is, and how to walk it out in your life. It's an amazing, amazing teaching. Okay, I'm going to jump to verse 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Friends, we need to be faithful in a little bit. If you cannot be faithful in a little bit, why would you expect God to trust you with a lot? We have to be faithful in the tiniest, tiniest bits, and we have to keep leaning in and keep stewarding well and keep seeking God and remaining in his will. And in God's timing, he will entrust us to steward more, but he can't trust you to steward huge, big blessings. If you're not ready for them, you're so much so not ready that you can't even be faithful in the little bit you've got. And this goes for your money. This goes for your resources. This goes for all kinds of things. So, you know, some people, they, they struggle to give God their 10% and, you know, you can't be faithful in that little bit, but you really want your business to grow and you really want things to take place. Well, maybe it's time that you prepare to be stretched. 
and that you start being faithful and giving God your first fruits. Um, So when Jesus returns, we need to be ready. Spiritual preparation cannot be bought or borrowed at the last minute. Okay, friends? So the master divided the money or the talents among his servants according to their abilities. No one received more or less than he could handle. If he failed in his assignment, his excuse could not be that he was overwhelmed. Failure would indicate only laziness or hatred towards the master. Ooh, the talents represent any kind of resource we are given. God gives us time, gifts, and other resources according to our abilities, and he expects us to invest them wisely until he returns. Friends, that is so powerful. I want you to really dwell on that. God's given us gifts and resources and all of these things. So we can either, we talk about this, we can either be boat sitters or water walkers. You can step out on the boat. God blesses the work of your hands. You have to step out in faith and get busy with the resources that God has already given you. It might just be a little tiny bit, but you step out and you start stewarding that well. And you start asking God to bless the work of your hands. And in his timing, he's going to show up. And he's going to do it. God is for you, not against you. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So lean in, step out of the boat and get busy. Be a good steward. Make this your year. By now, you know, we're on week six. You've made this part of your routine. So why don't you start making stewardship part of your routine? It's still early into the year. Make 2024 the best year you have ever stewarded before. Okay, chapter 26. Okay, we have Judas's betrayal in this chapter. I want you guys to take note of the series of events here. So a woman comes and anoints Jesus' feet. She gives him her all. This perfume was worth probably all of her resources. Um, Immediately after that, Judas betrays Jesus for the price of a slave. Now, mind you, in Judas's mind, he thinks that Jesus does not know that he's already betrayed him, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows everything. The things that we do that we think, oh, Jesus won't know this, he knows and he sees. Then the Passover happens. So Judas is sitting there, kicked back at the table. He thinks Jesus has got no idea, but Jesus knows. Jesus reclines at the table with them at Passover. He tells them that one of them will betray him. And they're all denying it. And they're like, oh, I would never. All of those things, just like we say to Jesus, I would never. When in reality, we're also all guilty of that. So they continue to eat. Um, Jesus knew Judas would betray him, but Judas ate too. Jesus sat at the table with his betrayer, and broke bread with him. I don't know about you guys, but I think that is one of the hardest things that we could possibly do. The the level of maturity, the heart posture you would have to be at to do something like that feels so far out of reach in a way. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. 
he he was so greedy. And yet he was someone who was walking closely with Jesus. Friends, this just shows no matter how much you go to church, is your heart right with God? That is so heavy on me to drive home today. It's, is your heart right? While Mary went to great expense to anoint Jesus with precious oil, giving to Jesus what was probably her entire life savings and therefore her entire future, Judas turned against him for a relatively small price. Friends, great is the cost of devotion, but cheap is the price of betrayal. After Jesus' resurrection, the good shepherd, Jesus brought his flock back together as he will again in the last days. Friends, do you want to be the flock that Jesus brings back? Or do you want to be Judas who betrayed him for the price of nothing? And how often do we do that in this world? We betray Jesus for a little bit of sin. It's just a little bit of sin. It's, it's just, right? It's just a little bit. It's not a little bit. It's... Sin grieves the heart of our father and it separates us from God. Betrayal, when we imagine how you feel, how you would feel if the closest person to you betrayed you. Imagine how bad that would hurt. Yet we do it to Jesus without even blinking. So now I'm going to jump on on to talking about the prayer in the garden. And that starts in verse 36. So we know Jesus prayed in anguish, so much so he was sweating blood. Verse 41, Jesus says to the disciples, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Friends, if we are not staying alert and praying, we will fall into temptation. Remember, our spirit is willing. Our spirit wants to do right. But our flesh is so weak sometimes. And it's so hard to kill flesh. This is why fasting is a great spiritual practice. Practicing killing your flesh. Putting to death desires of your flesh. And hungering for God more. We, Friends, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If we can remain in a spirit of prayer, remain with Jesus, we're daily encountering, we're encountering minute by minute, we're just living in a spirit of prayer, we will be less likely to fall into temptation. Okay, so the soldiers come to arrest Jesus because of Judas's betrayal. And Jesus knows that this has to happen, although he doesn't want it to because he knows the excruciating pain, the excruciating physical pain he's about to face. Um, So Peter jumps up when they come and he just slices someone's ear off. And this part brings a little bit of humor to a very, very sad situation to me because How often are we not all Peter? We're hasty and we just jump for it and slice someone's ear off and we're ready to fight in the flesh. I mean, they're coming after Jesus. We're going to go after him in the flesh. How many of us? I laugh because we've all been there so many times. And what does Jesus do? He Mm -hmm. tacks the ear right back on. And in verse 52, Jesus told him, Peter, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Friends, live by the sword die by the sword, fight in the flesh, die in the flesh, friends. We need to fight our battles spiritually, no matter how bad it looks in the flesh. We've got to fight in the spirit. That is how our battles are fought. This is how we fight our battles. When it looks like we're surrounded, we have to remember we are surrounded by Jesus Christ. 
and that this too shall pass. We have to lean into him, be still and still fight. And that is my wrap for the New Testament today. So good. And I'm just still laughing about Peter. You know, how many times, you know, like you said, do we feel like that? And Jesus responds with such kindness. And I think that's really important for us to remember, you know, through all of that, that that's a lot, you know, Jesus was continually pushed, you know, pushed to the limit, almost like our day to day. And he always responded with, put your sword down, just put it down. There's a reason for that. You know, I don't know. I just feel like it's just so humble and just so kind. And he always is like that with us. Well, it was wonderful. I don't really have anything to add, um, except that we, again, I just want you to just try to dive in, you know, even if it's where you are, if you're behind, just begin where you are. Um, Don't try to backtrack. Just we want you to just hop in where you are with us. And if you need anything, if you have a prayer request, just reach out um, on social media and Anna will certainly see those and pass those along. And um, yeah, we just want to be here for you all and walk you on this journey. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, friends. Yes, we'll see you soon. Well, well, I'm sorry, we won't see you. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. Yes, have a great week. Have a great week. Till next time, share with a friend. Yes, bye-bye.